You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FedCon episode three, start eight one zero zero one nine seven point nine three. We are so happy to be back uh, from summer vacations, from COVID, from the world falling apart, from BJ scoring a really huge hit with his one man show and a whole lot of other shenanigans. We have missed you and we're so happy to be back chatting up all the amazing things Star Trek. Now, Recently, I made an announcement asking for anyone who had been dead named at their graduation to let us know and we'll celebrate them here on this public forum. No one asked, but that's okay. We did have some really great educational moments on Facebook in particular when we asked people um, if they wanted us to do this for them. So talking it out, having these conversations is super important and and we're here for it. People who had never heard of of dead naming learned all about it. So in the future, if you ever need a space to be celebrated as your true self, let us know. And we're here for that. Today, I'm going to have our panelists introduce themselves. And I've asked them to prepare an answer to the following question. What special skill do you have that brings people together? Like Pike and his cheap-ass cooking. I mean, who takes leftover pasta, sprinkles the least exciting cheese over it, and then hands it to a girlfriend? But I digress. Admiral Lunsford, please introduce yourself. Hello. I I do want to address the Pike thing. I think that with uh, well-coiffed hair and the daddy vibe that he's got going on, he could probably have served her SpaghettiOs and he would have been fine. Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so as uh, as our captain, uh, Captain Beachboard has uh, announced, I am Admiral Mike Lunsford. I am the executive producer, um, the founder, actually, of uh, the Great Geek Refuge, the host of FedCon. Um, my pronouns are he, him. Uh, I what brings what skill do I have that brings people together? Um, I'm a storyteller. And I've found that because I'm a storyteller and I'm willing to often overshare my own mistakes and embarrassing stories that this helps people feel safer and feel included. Um, in fact, I've actually had people tell me that where they've said, I feel like I can tell you anything because you tell me everything. And I've noticed that it makes for a stronger team, a stronger camaraderie. Um, cause ultimately the time we spend with friends or coworkers is just as important as what the time we spend with family. And that's how you make someone comfortable is you share these things that normally only family knows. So you you essentially extend your family outward. And that's been my most successful way to bring people together. That was beautiful, Mike. And I have to apologize to you because when I asked you to prepare an answer, I meant for your alter ego ah. in space on ah, your spaceship. Okay. All right. So but that was outstanding. I would say, <laughs> I would say on my spaceship, um, when I'm on your ship and and just assuming command. Um, because that's what jerk admirals do all the time. Like just take over. 
Uh, we're all going to have a holodeck experience and we're going to perform a play together. Um, I'm thinking we're going to do something like Our Town, maybe a musical. Like, I think a musical would be more fun. I think like something involved, like, I mean, we ha first off, we've got like half the cast of Rent and Discovery. Why are we not doing Rent in the holodeck? That's right? what I'm doing. That's bringing us together. Right, because that would be beautiful. That would be amazing. And we'll, we can talk later about Strange New Worlds and their yeah. musical moments, but uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, Our Town, I have feelings about that. You know what? That's a whole nother episode. Never mind. Continuing. In the, and in my um, in my parallel universe self, um, uh, the, the mirror verse, if you will, there was a mirror verse, Admiral Lunsford, who auditioned for Our Town and got shot down hard and ended up playing some bit role where I was like some scientist that talked about like the rock structure of the town. And I was so upset because I was like, I'm so much more than this and I could do so much more. I played bottom in Midsummer Night's Dream for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give me the rock scientist. Dare so you make me a geologist. <laughs> so much more than rock. a geologist. All I can think of is SpongeBob going, it's a rock. Have oh, you seen that episode or am I talking I have, by myself no. here? We, oh, we, my quote, we quote SpongeBob a lot in this house. It is, well, for Christmas, my uh, my kids, um, my stepdaughter got a ravioli, ravioli, give me the formioli sweatshirt. <laughs> and my son got a Krusty Krab pizza is the pizza for you and me sweatshirt. So yes, we're That's big fans. Amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. All right. So now that we've thoroughly digressed, BJ. <laughs> yes. BJ, Captain Maestro Robinson. Yes, uh, Captain Robinson, uh, as you might guess, uh, has a, a knack for a thing with music, uh, especially aboard the USS Maestro. Um, there's this sort of involuntary, constant uh, fueling of music therapy that the crew goes through. Um, and whenever he gets his moments to stop in at Starfleet, he throws these music therapy sessions for everyone to come together on as well. Um, and, and, you know, it, it kind of gives people a chance to uh, just take a listen to tunes that they might not be familiar with. A lot of really wacko random things, particularly out of the uh, 19th, 20th and 21st century, um, you know, and they get exposed to things that sometimes it's it's a trio of ladies uh, singing something uh, uh, about uh, making some 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 bread or cornbread and they don't know what's going on. And then it's about three guys and it's about their dogs being out of the house and who 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 may be responsible for it. Um, you know, at that one point, it was about three ladies and, and having to deal with gentlemen who were not uh, keeping up their responsibilities for bills, bills, bills. Um, but but, you know, it's it's a great sort of involuntary music therapy that exposes them to a lot of different styles of genres that people sometimes find they uh, relate to a little bit more than they might have expected. Uh, and so that's that's what the, the captain likes to to bring. I love you so much. <laughs> I just picture like Commander Data giving like a very like verbose description of the Louis Jordan song Beans and Cornbread. Apparently <laughs> they were not just foodstuffs, they were actual people and they had a fight. And Beans struck Cornbread so hard that he was no longer visible on the uh, infrared spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's they you know they they find some things when I've had you know crew members that are just feeling a little uh, stressed and down and out. They're not sure if if they're really 
finding their their purpose in 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 where they're supposed to fit in 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 Starfleet um, or even just aboard the Maestro. Um, I always point them back to um, a very interesting uh, piece of music from the 20th century um, by a, a collection of individuals who surmise themselves as two simple icons, the U and the two, um, and a great, great <laughs> anthem that sometimes, even as you keep on doing everything you're doing, you perhaps still haven't found what you're looking for. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Outstanding. Give me snort. <laughs> Involuntary music therapy from uh, Captain Robinson. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. All right. <laughs> Attention, this is the captain. Music therapy starts at 0900. It is mandatory. That is it all. It is mandatory. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was beautiful. <clears throat> all right. As for me, Professor Beachboard at Starfleet Academy. Uh, my special skill is I scare the living shit out of my students by reminding them a single transporter mistake will leave them in a big pile of grossness like the 1958 movie The Blob. And while intuition might say this is a counterproductive tactic when teaching new students, I have discovered nothing makes my students work well together like icy cold terror. My ratings as a professor might be in the tank, but my students are still alive. Some of them refuse to take the transporter, but that's not my problem. That's their captain's problem. That's me, Professor Beachboard. Inspiring. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. A if famous doctor. Terrified. A famous doctor once said he didn't want his molecules scrambled all over the galaxy. So <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> we just recently watched um the Star Trek motion picture re-release, the, the extended cut. And you know you belong in nerdy, geeky fandom when you're sitting there watching the very unnecessary 12-minute edition of just panning around this model and you're loving it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, friend of friend of uh, GGR, uh, Ulysses E. Campbell, um, is the most tenured uh, Star Trek fan that I know. And he says that growing up watching that show and then seeing the motion picture in theaters seeing the ship again was the most religious like experience that you had because the ship had become a character in itself and that seeing this new beautiful enterprise because again the original studio model was like it's it's at the smithsonian um if you can see it it's not that impressive there was only one side to it because the other side had all the electronics attached to it in order for it to function properly. So right. to see this fully 3D ship, fully rendered beautifully, and then the model uh, builders described it as pearlescent. There was a sheen to it that they were able to accomplish and that they actually had to create a whole different lens for the camera in order to get the whole thing into the picture. So basically like a fisheye lens because the damn thing was so big, they didn't have a way to like film it properly. So they literally had to create a camera lens just so they could film the Enterprise in slow motion for 12 minutes. Well, if I continue on this vein, we will never get to our current shows because <laughs> I have so much to say about it, but I'm gonna yeah. control my ADHD and keep us on track. All right. To start us off, I want to give us space to talk about um, the graceful, the legendary, the groundbreaker, the earthshaker, Queen Nichelle Nichols. 
Um, there have been oodles and oodles of N memoriams on the internet, and some of the best, in my opinion, are on Star Trek shitposting and Star Trek wholesome posting. Um, you guys out there are amazing, and I am endlessly entertained and spend too much time on, on those threads, but whatever. Onwards. Um, for the purpose of just this space, I've asked our panelists to talk about the first time they ever saw Lieutenant Uhura on the screen, whether it be TV or movie, and share how her very existence in that space affected them. BJ. Yeah, so I think I first saw, actually, I think I first saw Nichelle Nichols when she shows up, um, it's in a few different episodes of Deep Space Nine. Um, that uh, Lieutenant Uhura is there. And I think one of them, she's there was like a hologram. There's a couple, it's like doing other Trek references. Um, but I remember like, oh, okay. Um, just, just, I noticed her. It was like, that's a neat looking black lady on Star Trek. Um, but then I remember um, Final Final Frontier, Star Trek uh, Five was the first, um, that was my first full take of, of the OG. Um, and, and, and was like, okay, that it, that's what led me back to like, I need to go back and watch this series. Um, so that's how I came to, to first, uh, meet, uh, Lieutenant Uhura. And, um, I mean, gosh, there's just something about Nichelle Nichols that I put right in there for me with, with like Eartha Kitt, um, in, in just, I thought like, what a superwoman who's just like, doing her damn thing um and and it's always it's always had this like impression on me that i think about how how difficult it was in their time um and i guess i'm kind of doing that volley of like eartha and michelle to to just be an outspoken confident black woman period but then to continue to do it in places and spaces where everyone you know is waiting for you to fail or waiting for you to just get out um waiting for you to have enough of some obvious screw up that means you're done and and she just continued to defy everything around her um through and through and and it's just yeah i mean i she i don't know it's like she's always been in this high little place that that i'm going to still keep her uh in 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 my galaxies uh, certainly that was beautiful. Um, Mike. I'm pretty sure it was Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock was the first Star Trek that I really, really, really saw. So I would have been in first grade. So I would have been six, seven, somewhere in that range. Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan is the better movie. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock is my favorite. There's a scene in that movie. It is my favorite scene of hers because it is, it is a microcosm of who she is. Um, at this point in her Starfleet career, she's been in Starfleet for 20 years. She's a lieutenant commander. She's well-respected. She's the foremost expert when it comes to xenolinguistics. But she's manning a transporter station in the old part of San Francisco with some young lieutenant. And this young lieutenant is just, I want adventure. I want excitement. We're on the hind end of the galaxy, you know? And she's just like, no, I like it. I like the quiet. And he's like, well, you know, maybe that's good for you for an old space dog, you know? But I need adventure. And she's like, just a real knowing look. She goes, be careful what you wish for. And then Kirk and McCoy and Sulu and Chekhov show up at that transporter room. And they ask her, good evening, commanders. Everything ready? 
And I can quote this whole fucking scene because I've seen this movie a million times. She says, step into my parlor, gentlemen. Little lieutenant says, that's Admiral Kirk. My God. She says, very good for you, lieutenant. And he goes, it's damn irregular. No destination orders. No uh, encoded IDs. And she's like, that's all true. And he goes, and what are we going to do about it? And she goes, I'm not going to do anything about it. You're going to sit in the closet. And he goes, the closet, what have you lost all your sense of reality? She pulls a phaser on him and with the deadliest of deadly looks, looks him in the eye and she goes, no, this isn't reality. This is fantasy. She's like, you want an adventure? How's this? You feel the adrenaline going? Good boy. Now get in the closet. And she puts him in the closet, closes the door and McCoy looks at her and he goes, I'm glad you're on our side. To be that level of badass, held her own with the boys, was taking a uh, helmsman spot in Balance of Terror when the other guy had to go down to the phaser room. It was her and Sulu running the ship. Like the first interracial kiss was not her and William Shatner. It was her and Majel Barrett in the episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of? Because Majel Barrett is going down as Nurse Chapel to see her former fiance and she kisses her on the cheek before she leaves. That's the first interracial kiss on TV, not her and Kirk. So just so everybody knows, she was doing this way before anybody else thought it was cool. A badass through and through. And like, it, it is such a shame to see that she's gone because of how much of an impact that she had. But it, it, and maybe this is just me from having to deal with loss in my life, but it's almost beautiful because people like Whoopi Goldberg are coming out and saying, I remember being a little girl and seeing her on TV and running and grabbing my mom and saying, mom, mom, look, there's a black lady on TV and she's not a maid. Hearing what she meant to other people keeps her alive. Um, I heard one time when my grandmother passed away, a rabbi describing your life as a, as a candle. Your flame may extinguish, but you have lit so many other candles along the way and kept those fires burning that your flame lives on through all of these other candles that you've, you've lit. So I, that's when I think of Nichelle Nichols, and I'm sorry for running over on time here, but when I think of Nichelle Nichols, I see a million candles lit by her power and by her strength and by her presence of, of being a game changer, of being a barrier breaker, of, of, of being someone that was not afraid to be strong in a time when that was not the norm. There are many minds in circulation Believing in reincarnation In me you see One who doesn't agree Challenging all possible affronts I believe I'm only gonna live once And I want to make the most of it If there's a party I want to be the host of it If there's a haunted house I want to be the ghost of it If I'm in town Make me the toast of it That is Nichelle Nichols' One Life to Live from her Down to Earth album, friends. No way. I didn't realize she... Mm-hmm. There's there's an episode. Um, I can't remember. What, oh, um, The Doomsday Machine 
in season two of the original series where she's not there. She's not the communications officer. And the justification is just like, eh, she just wasn't there. You know, like she, it was, she wasn't on duty, you know, she was getting some well-needed rest or whatever it was. Right. But the reason why she wasn't there was because she was performing on Broadway. None of them thought that Star Trek was going to be anything. And she had other stuff going on too. So yeah, that's all. That was awesome. BJ. Thus carrying on this tradition of theater people being in Star Trek. I, mm-hmm. I just, that's so cool. Yeah. So I, I first saw her in Star Trek, the motion picture, and I was at five or whatever, very, very unaware of how amazing it was that she was black. What I, what I saw was they let a woman on the bridge, you know, she's in this space full of science and danger and everything, but she was beautiful and graceful. Like the other chick who becomes V'ger's, um voice box, like she was just a guest. Like I just saw her as a guest, but but Lieutenant Uhura was a permanent fixture there. Like she was there and that femininity, that's what really struck me. And I will always, whenever I'm afraid to be feminine in a guy space, like I, I, I draw on her success, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, you know, all you have to do is just stand up straight and be who you are. And, you know, your worth is, is in that knowing who you are and being true to that. So I will say that watching her in all of these movies and everything, I felt anger because she was only allowed so much. While she was groundbreaking and everything, I was not aware of, of all of the struggles that she overcame. I was just aware of my frustration that, you know, Star Wars only had one real big female hero and there's only one real, one woman on the bridge of, of Star Trek. And I, I rooted for her anytime I saw her, like when she's being that badass, like I, I rooted for her to get more. And when she didn't, I remember being very frustrated, but also knowing that's the way it is at this moment in time and we got to push forward. So that's how I remember her. That's how her memories are are painted in my mind. And I celebrate her and I, I love how much she sacrificed to continue being on Star Trek because she didn't have the main role. She had to be convinced to stay there and she stayed there to bring other people up in the sciences and, and everywhere else. And I think what a huge sacrifice of ego that must've been. And I love her for that. Yeah. Famously, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King told her how much he loved watching her on Star Trek, how much of a Trekkie he was. And she was thinking of quitting. And he's like, no, we need you. We need you to show everybody that we belong in the future. I don't know for certain, but I feel like she took that to heart because later when the space shuttle program was created and NASA created this new program to recruit um, women astronauts and astronauts of color she was the voice for that to think she understood the importance of her role. And it was, and I've seen some ugly things said about all of that, that like, Oh, well, they weren't that big of a deal. And that's why they didn't get more roles. No, you're, you're missing the point. If it was not for her, we're, we don't have captain Michael Burnham of the USS discovery. We don't have captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. She broke two barriers at the same time. And like, not only, I don't know if you guys noticed this in Picard, I can't remember the name of the ship, but it, it was, it was captained by Captain Nyota Uhura. And she was also president of the United Federation of Planets at one point. 
they they gave they gave her her due in, in the future so that's i'm ho- and i'm i'm almost 100% positive we're going to see this going forward with the next seasons of discovery with the next seasons of picard uh with strange new worlds i, I like they've got they're they're going to do something because she yeah because she she is a big deal let's talk about that right now let's talk about strange new worlds and who wants to go first? Raise your hand. If I know we're we're in a podcast, just imagine us in my classroom at the academy. Raise your hand if you want to talk first about Strange New Worlds. Tell me about your emotional hydrocarbons after watching the entire season. Emotional hydrocarbons. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll, I'll kick us off. Um, you didn't raise your hand, Lindsay. Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. So all of our listeners, we actually are doing this recording in Zoom right now. Oh, and Lunsford is raising his hand in a Vulcan salute. I guess that that'll work. Go ahead. ahead. Thank you. It was most logical of you to choose me. Um, I love Strange New Worlds. I don't necessarily love the individual episode format. I understand why they did it, because there was a lot of backlash from a lot of the old school fans about it. They were like, we want episodic, not serial. We, we, we don't want one big story. They managed to do a pretty neat, neat hybrid with it where you got some some threads that tied into extra episodes and that was pretty cool. Uh, and we revisited episodes, so that was cool too. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this, but they did a really good job of like, so every every person, regardless of how you identify, loves Captain Pike. Like, I think that is the most universally loved dude right now in the Star Trek fandom. And I say this with all due respect to him, Captain Pike, Christopher Pike, Chris, if, if you don't mind me calling you Chris, I'm, I'm an admiral, so I can. Um, he's like Boba Fett in the sense that when you first see him, you're like, this character is amazing. This character is fantastic. My God, I'm in love with him. I want an action figure and I want a shirt and I want posters. And then the more and more you get to know him and the more you flesh him out, they actually make him more human. And they make him fallible. And you see the flaws in the person. And I say this because the last episode of Strange New Worlds reinterprets, because the whole series, he's still, pardon my language, he's still fucked up from his experience with the time crystal that told him, listen, dude, your face is going to get melted from radiation and you're going to be unable to move or speak, but your brain will be trapped inside your body. This is the fate that befalls you and you cannot avoid it. That is fucked up. Like, that is so fucked up. And he, rightfully so, has a hard time grasping this. And that last episode, a future version of himself is like, listen, you fuck with this a lot, and you try to find a way out, and you do. Let me show you what happens. And you see the ramifications of this. And you see that he is human. And you see, and what they do is is they take an original episode. They take Balance of Terror. And they say, what if Kirk never took over the Enterprise and Pike is still running things? And you see that sometimes people need to be in the right place at the right time for the right thing to happen. Not saying that Pike was bad. Not saying he's a bad captain. He's a great captain. But as I've been watching the original series, something really hit me hard and it makes a lot of sense. Bones calls Kirk at multiple times a soldier. Pike is not described as a, as a soldier. He's described as an explorer. And I think that's the difference between the two of them. And that's why Kirk would, needed to be on the bridge of the Enterprise for a balance of terror. In that in, in incursion with the Romulans when they come in and they blow up all those star bases. He needed to be there because you needed a soldier, not an explorer. 
Pike hesitated and it caused cost a lot of people their lives. In fact, somebody really, really important to the future. You're seeing that not everybody is perfect for every situation. Pike just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And Kirk needed to be there. I, I still hope. So like, I know that he gets a happy ending in the end, but like, I just don't, I don't want to see him melted from radiation from a ruptured baffle plate. I don't want to see that, but I feel like we have to, but Mike, like, we've seen it a few times in all of his flashbacks. Oh God. It's so bad. Like, <laughs> it's, it's so bad. Um, I just, I love this series. I, I truly love this series. I love all of the characters, even the ones that are a little too frosty for my liking. They, they have an explanation why like the Noonien Singh relative, um, we understand why as she watched her family get eaten by Gorn. It, it, there, you understand all of this. Man, in that episode, the, the last episode, the Balance of Terror remake, essentially, when, why am I blaming? Ortegas. Ortegas is like racist against Romulans. And Pike is like, would you shut the fuck up? Like, he, I, that's the first time I've seen him mad, like at one of his officers. And he loves Ortegas. Him and Ortegas are, are like buds. But like for him to snap at her like that, like that's how out of line she was. I love seeing these characters have this incredible depth. Like there was nothing about this series that I didn't like. There was one episode in particular, the the one with the little kid. Y'all mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. the one with the kid. Yeah, yeah. The one with mm-hmm. the kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, you mean? Oh, I was thinking Elysian Kingdom. You're talking oh, about the keep us. What, what's no, the name of that one? Uh, Lift us higher or something like that. The Elysian Kingdom. I uh, Star Trek has never made me. Well, actually, it has on multiple occasions. Now that I think of it, ball my eyes end, out. Yeah. Because he's just like, he found a way to save his daughter, but it meant letting her go. And it was just I really like, hope, oh my. I hope everyone's seen it. Yeah. Um, I hope it goes without saying that we spoil here ad yeah. nauseum. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I know we, sometimes we try not to, but then you can't yeah. help it. We're talking about the whole thing and the season's been out there. Come on now. We That's are. Right. Yeah. And you're not listening to this if you haven't watched. I mean, let's yeah. be frank. You're um, talking about the, the all those who wander. I like think... the kid in the, when they were down on the surface on the planet. They were trying to, the one guy was trying to save the kid because it was his kid, but this kid was like destined for, for something. And then you found out what it was. Oh, oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, gosh, there were a few kids. That one was, that one was fucked up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That one, I didn't like that. They dropped this on us at the last second. I think like the reveal, I get why they did it. (laughs) Yeah. But like, there should have been more hints to it. The thing I liked about that episode was the obvious of like, Ooh, sexy new lady from the planet, sort of past romance and like totes the villain. Let's see yeah. how this unfolds. <laughs> yeah. You're smarter than I am, BJ. I well, you know, again, this is back to what you were saying, Mike, where this whole the season's been more episodic and and that's a part of where there are more of those cliche giveaways sometimes where like yeah. the special guest characters more likely to be the villain or like the person that yeah. seems to come out of nowhere to start with that everything's cool with is either going to like be someone who becomes their own returning character or they're the fucked up individual all along. Yeah. Um, and, and so there were like, I'm with you where I really like how they got away from that with disco with Picard. Um, I can understand people wanting it back at the same time. And I, I do feel like they've done a decent job with, with how hokey 
it can get that that it's like a lot of these get real hokey but they're actually still really entertaining and and that speaks to like you said the caliber of the depth that they're putting into the characters and into the writing but then the just the the expansion they're giving them to be able to to have these extremes i mean like yeah racist ortega was like okay i wasn't ready for any of this and it's a part of what makes the whole finale episode so much more intense that you're getting to see some of these characters in ways that uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, you know, it was the other half of Elysian Kingdom where like there were things about it that were absolutely beautiful and gorgeous. And then like, uh, you know, there were a couple of things where I'm like, I don't know, some of these character portrayals are almost a little nauseating, but like, all right, it's not about them. It's about everything else going on in it. The costumes were gorgeous. Definitely loved that. I'm, I'm all for like LARPing fairy world in, in, <laughs> in, in any uh, starship. But... I think I think I'm with you where I, I really enjoyed getting more nuance of of all of the characters. I love all the backstory with Spock and and uh and his wife. Um right. yeah. The, like I I just I, I think she's been she's just been super fun to have and all the screen time has been absolutely worth it. Dude, um, Spock has got so much game, it's ridiculous. Dude is like, like tastic. Yeah. When he's just like, perhaps we need to reestablish our relationship parameters. And you're just like <laughs> damn spock like We're taking notes so like all right this is this yeah. is gonna be the bar talk if i'm ever at a bar trying to like knack it again i'm just gonna quote <laughs> dude when she when she was like i've begun researching human grading mating rituals and i was like girl where are you looking like, i started, oh, I started no. blushing like i was That's like i know what century? she's doing she's, she's looking at porn she's she's <laughs> researching porn and taking notes but like like this though like fascinating right? like that's how she's watching it like <laughs> controlling the human emotion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, BJ, yeah. I like that that one eyebrow up. Like, <laughs> so BJ, if you had to name one emotional hydrocarbon at the end of Strange New Worlds, what would it be? Man, I mean, I remember this isn't one, uh, you know, but it was like <laughs> one of the things I had said, and I think I said in one of the messages was that it felt better than than disco when they met the 10 C and like when disco met the 10 C I was like, I felt like I was just crying the entire time with joy of, of, of the series. Um, I mean, just, oh, I don't even know, like insatiable, I think might be the word that I just really want more nonstop from it. I was so down with all of it. Um, I mean, I felt so hard for Captain Pike. I went back and rewatched Inhumans and was like, maybe this isn't as bad a second time. That series was awful, but I didn't mind watching him, you know, and I was almost just sad that like, I wanted to talk more. (laughs) Um, I I think they could make a show of Anson Mountain just cooking in his uh, quarters and people would watch it. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to make a uh, chimichurri flank steak for you guys. All right. (laughs) Oh, I loved it. I also loved um that they gave because sometimes you gotta you gotta find the way to hit all the cliche heartstrings if you're gonna get episodic and hit a bunch of cliche heartstrings find a way to give us some real loss and that's a part of where like elysian kingdom was this great mix of 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 just like loss but also prevailing but then losing um um a hammer was was the gut punch that like I knew it was going to happen. Like, I felt like someone's going to be gone by the time we get through this, this first season. Um, and then we lost Heber and it was like, ah, I thought it was, I thought it was really beautiful. I thought it was really well done. I liked the connection that we had with Hammer and Uhura. Um, props, props, props to Bruce Horak, the first legally blind actor on a Star Trek series. 
and knowing that he's got a multi-season contract. So we most likely will see him coming back as other episodic characters in the future. And I'm really excited about that. So that got spoiled for me, Hemmer dying. And, and yet I was still at the end because of how stoic he was and how well they had built up that relationship. Like you said, BJ, um, I was still crying at the end. So my favorite, I think, was the Serene Squall because the villain was magnificent to watch. Everything about them, including the fact that everyone referred to them as them automatically, like just there was no discussion. It was natural. Mm -hmm. And I want to see more. I want them to come back and be even more villainous. I want to see Nurse Chapel fall even more for Spock. I want to watch more goofy pirates. I I thought it was wonderful. And I will say that I am here for episodic Star Trek because I don't remember if you guys remember, we did the episode about Discovery. And I said, y'all, I'm exhausted because it was really good. And I was really invested in all of the characters and all of the happenings. And I was crying for Zora and all the things, but I was exhausted. And this seems to re-energize me um, way more than Discovery. So I'm very excited about season two. I can't wait to see what they do next. I can't wait to see them get back, number one. Any other thoughts before we go to our game? I just want to ask real quick here, um, is, is nobody going to mention the fact that they like just low key um, threw uh, Cybok into the, the, <laughs> the, the fucking... Oh my god! Like also yes. <laughs> not only that, like I'm just trying to remember if this is the same episode. It, it, was that the Serene Squall episode where? Yes, yes, it is the one with the pirates. Yeah, okay. Because let me tell you, I can't. I don't know the actress's name, and I and I apologize. But the way that they portrayed being a villain was so old school Trek, like maniacally cackling and like sitting on a on a chair like this, and they're just like, "I'm evil," and you're just like, <laughs> "Yes." And it was great. And then you find out that they're in a relationship with Cybok. And I'm just like, oh, and he was in prison. This is so much better. Like, I, I love that they're adding depth to this. And like, I understand that some people are real protective over Trek and they're like, it's sancti sanctified and you can't touch it. No, no, it's space opera. Okay. It is literally what um, Gene Roddenberry described as wagon train to the stars. So it is supposed to be like this. The fact that they have these big reveals is amazing. And I fucking love it. I, the dude they got to play Kirk just absolutely nails that like cocky bravado that James T. Kirk has. He's got that same, again, I just described it with the main pirate from the Serene Squall, but he does that same thing where he just kind of sits in the chair and he's just like, yeah, I'm dope. I know. It's cool. I know everything. I'm smart. And his brother even calls him on it. His brother, George Kirk, is just like, yeah, no, he's always right. And it's Fucking infuriating. I loved that. I loved yes. seeing that family relationship. But I'm going to tell yeah. you, Mike, yeah. the reason I wasn't as excited as you are about Cybok is yeah. I have a grudge against that stupid movie. Yeah. Star Trek Five, I think it was. I, yeah. Look, man, it is the worst Star Trek movie. And you can argue with me all day, but I'm you're not. never going to change my mind because there was no villain. Yeah, there was. It, it was God. No, but he didn't show up until the very end. He wasn't leaning in a chair, being all smooth and suave. Like, no, you're right. No, and Cybok is like, I am going to very pleasantly uh, act as a villain for the god. You'll eventually see, maybe at the end. Like, yeah. So that's why I wasn't ex as excited. But maybe 
they'll redeem the character for me. I'm yeah. hoping. I, I get it. And like the whole concept, like if you give like a plot description of each Star Trek movie, like in a couple sentences, like Star Trek two, an old villain comes back to uh, have his vengeance on the crew of the Enterprise. OK, cool. Uh, Star Trek three, like um, the crew uh, steal the Enterprise to save their comrade. Cool. Star Trek four, they go back in time to save some whales, to save the future. Cool. OK, Star Trek five, the Enterprise fights God and blows him up like <laughs> like that's it's hard to put that into a brief description and like not only put it in a brief description, a description that makes sense. And then on top of that, like it, the whole thing is a mess. It, Star Trek V <laughs> is an absolute disaster. And like the fact that William Shatner has the audacity now as an old ass white man to stand up there and be like, Gene, Gene Roddenberry would be rolling in his grave. When in 1989, Gene Roddenberry said, Shatner, what the fuck is this? This is a horrible movie. This isn't Star Trek. He told Shatner this isn't Star Trek. And Shatner has the nerve to be like, well, this other stuff ain't Star Trek either. No, shut up. <laughs> shut up, Bill. Why don't you go back to space with Bezos, <laughs> you douche. EJ, do you have feelings about five, Star Trek five? Um, well, again, that's where I first saw yeah. the crew. Oh, my um, bad. So I'm, here's the thing though. I like a lot of things that other people don't like. Um, and I'm good with that. So I like it. Yeah. Good for I'm, you. I'm honestly, I'm with BJ. There's lots of shitty movies that I, that I love. That exactly. movie is, that movie's dog shit, but I love it. And yeah. like, it has a great line when Cybok is turning Spock and McCoy. Mm -hmm. And then he tries to get Kirk and Kirk's like, no, you're not showing me my pain. He's like, He's like, what are you going to do? You're going to show me a, a spot when I was supposed to turn left when I uh, when I turned right? He's like, I don't want you to take away my pain. I need my pain. It makes me who I am. Just fucking dead on, man. That's like, fair. There's great moments in that. And the fact that none of them can pronounce marshmallow correctly is even better. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Now I have to go back and watch. Uh, Spock calls them marshmallows. <laughs> marshmallows? Marshmallows, yeah. I have to go I'm back and look at that. I'm preparing to toast a marshmallow. Yeah. <laughs> Love and then it. so does so does McCoy. Like, and then McCoy's solution to the beans, he's like, here, I've got whiskey. Like <laughs> <laughs> all right. You know fair. it wasn't synthahol. It was real alcohol. You know it was the real stuff. All right. All right. Um, I want to just fill in uh it's like the pop-up video fact on our favorite villain uh from uh, Serene Squall uh is played by the amazing non-binary transgender actress Jesse James Keitel. Fantastic job. I mean, I could every time they were on the screen, my eyes were glued and I was drooling and it was magnificent. Desperately want them to come back. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. It was another moment though where I'm like, oh, definitely bad. Definitely bad. And was just like waiting for that turn on like, okay, how's it gonna happen? When's it gonna happen? And then when there's that scene that uh they get into the the um the transporter with with when she gets out of the the, the bridge with Spock, it was like, oh, definite, definite. For me, I was like, that confirms it. Like, this is about to get real fucked up, and I'm really excited for it. <laughs> Again, you are smarter than I am, BJ. <laughs> or I am just when I watch it, maybe I'm just like retreating into that gullible part of my brain so I can enjoy the surprise. I don't know, but I, I think we all do that though. With that, like my anticipation, you know, sonar is up of trying his, his to, spidey to try sense, to yeah. Yeah. He's in he's in a constant state of yellow alert. Now that makes yes, sense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I but Mar Mariah, we all do that. We all sometimes miss those things. Like and and when they drop it on you, you're just like, oh snap! The one that got me was the first season of Discovery when Lorca was a mirror verse version, and I'm like, oh no! 
The other one that got me and I was mad about it when they turned Ash Tyler into Vogue, when it turned out that he was like a Klingon sleeper agent that really yeah. upset me because I had really connected with that character because he was dealing with what I thought was PTSD. No, it turned out that he was dealing with the fact that he was an actual Klingon turned into a human. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, he's a Klingon. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Even when so, they found him on his like ship, I was like, uh-uh, 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 something don't say right, something don't say right. When, when Burnham got pulled out and put onto the ship, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. So, <laughs> so when, you wa- you. <laughs> when you watch BJ, do you vocalize that? Are you one of those I people? I do, because who- I'm usually watching by myself. So I can talk at the screen as much as I need to. The, the dogs get annoyed. Yes. I, and I, I usually do like- Fantastic. long conversations. I have to pause it and like, monologue to the character not that yeah. you know it makes a difference but oh my gosh can you please like it wouldn't be we need a reaction up. video yeah no like, i agree I, mean, I can do that i, I agree can do that for some of those <laughs> we do we need we need like live reactions of bj robinson yeah i agree yeah I was screening the other day and, yeah. and john was concerned so i was watching lower decks and yeah. it's like the eighth or ninth episode um when they're doing the holodeck film thing and they're kind of mocking space films and some of the trek films and there's just like i mean it's it's not too much but it's a good like maybe 30 to 45 seconds of the extended sequence of them just doing shots of the cerritos and like panning side of the cerritos panning to the crew watching the cerritos as they're boarding it panning back to the Cer- and it was just doing that sort of classic homage to the ship and i was like screaming and just hollering back so I'm like this is so brilliant i i love it when they can make fun of themselves like that in moments like that. And and yeah, I'm going to have to maybe just film one of these sort of things. Cause I, it's a lot, it's a lot that kind of happens. <laughs> I love that. So, so tell me, how do you feel about Laura Dex? Cause I know what you texted me, <clears throat> but tell, tell us your emotional hydrocarbon. I love it. Um, I'm absolutely in love with it. I finished season one uh, and then I was going to like dive into season two and thought like, no, nah, let me just like, sit and rest with season one for a couple days. I'm probably going to start watching season two after this. Um, but uh, I really enjoy it. I mean, it's definitely more episodic again, and and it, but it works. I mean, it really, really works because there's just so much that they get to freaking explore. Um, and I love how many different things they've, they've really tried mashing into it. Um, you know, I have an interesting feeling about like Rick and Morty Um, because it's one of the creators from Rick and Morty on it as well, that I first got introduced to Rick and Morty, I think, at, like, the wrong time. Um, I was, I think, a little too depressed and a little too bitter, but with the world at large, that when I first started watching some Rick and Morty, it was like, I... Oh no, I can't I can't take on another show right now where people who are dicks are, are the ones that keep ending up okay. That's I'm in an okay spot for that right now. <laughs> so that's a hundred percent fair. I, I wanna validate you know? that, BJ, because that's the reason why I won't watch Rick and Morty, is because of the people who told me it was so great and so wonderful and so fantastic and how awesome it is were just the worst of the worst of the worst people and i'm like i'm not validating your love of this show fuck all of that and that was my first reason why i wouldn't watch lower decks at first and then like one night i couldn't sleep i'm like yeah let's throw it on and i'm like oh my god this is amazing this is it's it's both loving and poking fun at the same time it's it's yes outstanding yeah no, totally. You're, you're, you're right. I mean, the timing's everything with it. And it it really balances it in a really, like you said, loving way, which is the nice thing about it, that it's actually loving. There's so much about it that's 
ridiculously relatable um and and yet the jokes are really fun the animation's really fun i love the pacing and i feel like the the cast just nails it with with the voices i'm still shocked every time that i see jerry o'connell as a part of the cast because i'm like this doesn't sound like jerry o'connell ever i feel like i've never heard him sound like that and i've loved a bunch of stuff that he's done um but i really i really enjoy the the just the way it's going so far um just interested to see how how they move it forward the way that season one ended was really exciting and and i'm really stoked that i've got the like you know i'll binge season two probably in like two days um and then rewatch it all before season three comes out in just a short couple of weeks so i'm a fan of lower decks um if you like the idea of something rick and morty but you might not be a rick and morty person then lower decks might be for you and even if you're someone who you know is into sci-fi but you also feel like maybe you're not a star trek person then i think lower decks is also one of those that's like it's a different kind of taste and 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 can be a great introduction was Peanut Hamper in the first season? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Peanut, Peanut Hamper! I love my that name! <laughs> favorite. My favorite. And it makes fun of the that that idea that you have these computers. Like no one's gonna talk about the fact that you have these computers who are suddenly sentient. Like you're gonna have this conversation about it in this one episode in Next Generation, and that's it. Like they're they're yeah. living. And they're doing their thing, and we're not going to ever use them ever again in any other series, right? Yeah. We need someone who can get this over to Peanut Hamper. It's the perfect job for you. No, thanks. Yes! I'm good. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was like, heck yeah, have that confidence. (laughs) Oh, my favorite. (laughs) I just, I, I love that the show um there's so many there's so it, there's a little bit for every level of star trek fan yeah so like at one point in season two i'm not going to spoil it but at one point in season two you see an updated version of the uss excelsior and i'm like oh that makes perfect sense because it's using the warp nacelles that the enterprise e used and it's also using this substance oh my god like this this like turbo nerdy star trek stuff that like i am just absolutely loving and then like on the flip side they're also just making like ridiculous jokes about things and you're just like it's a mashup of so much stuff yeah yeah they've got um season four has already been given a green light and so there's going to be a season really? four in 2024 um or in in 2023 i think season four is going to be in 2023 yeah since season three is coming out in august um and I mean, I'm already like flipping excited about how they announced that they're going to be at Deep Space Nine in That's... season three. I'm like, oh my god, am I gonna get a little more Cisco? Yes. Oh, did you all see that they're gonna do a ma- they're gonna do a Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds uh, uh, Lower Deck smash up? Also, what? like what? season yes. three is gonna be wild. Yes. Yeah. Can yeah. you? <laughs> I just I can't wait to see Anson Mount animated because Both like of those like yeah. It's like, imagine oh imagine the Anson Mount that we have now is Captain Pike only amped up in animated world. Like he's just gonna be like, hey, how are? Like even more suave than he is. I feel like when he smiles in the cartoon world, it's gonna go ching. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm uh, so happy right now. Like I'm contemplating all of this, and I I have to get back to my notes and figure out where we're supposed to go from here because otherwise I'm just gonna sit here and drool in my head over Laura Dex. That's such great news. Yeah. Okay, um, moving on. Would you rather, Mike? I am yeah. very excited to play this game. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Um, I'm going to choose one of you at random to go first and then the next Lord. person would go second. Okay. All right. 
Captain BJ Robinson of the USS. Oh man, what a maestro. Got it. Okay. I almost lost it. I was like, <laughs> Symphony? No. Opus? No. Something like that. Okay. Um, would you rather be immersed into Vulcan society or Klingon society? And why? Vulcan society. A lot more meditation time. I feel like I could get away with my bubble machine in Vulcan society, and I don't think they'd let me anywhere near anyone in Klingon society with the bubbles. That is a great answer. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Captain Beachboard, what say you? Vulcans or Klingons? Yeah, so I'm fragile. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go with Vulcan. Uh, however, I do like violence at least watching it so i if i could be the derpy klingon then i would probably be very happy in klingon society the derpy klingon. <laughs> that sounds like um, a great short story <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so uh klingons i mean vulcans i mean i don't know <laughs> there's a there's a wonderful you, what's your what would you rather there is a wonderful uh tumblr thread that talks about how often we see um, a soul Vulcan on a ship full of humans and how we're and how great a series it would be if we had a, a human, a singular human on a ship full of Vulcans. And they talk about how the Vulcans would understand logically that there are certain things that they need to do to cheer up their human with his emotions or the or her or their their emotions, better word. Um, and they throw them a party. But the party is so sad and depressing. It's like one balloon taped to a wall and it says it's your birthday, like that episode of The Office. Like, <laughs> but the human would be so touched that they remembered and thought of them. And like it, it's a failure, but it's the success. And like I think of that and I'm like, well, I could live with Vulcans. But then I would be Leonard McCoy with the Vulcans. I would be like, you can't logic this, you green blooded son of a like I, I could see that because I'm an emotional person. But the Klingons, I feel would be I would be so stressed out all the time because it's always about honor and it's always about like challenge. And like you could get like knifed in the back at a like if you screw something up. But then I think of Captain Picard walking up to that Klingon and the Klingon's like, you're not supposed to be here and yada, yada, yada. And he says in the greatest Picard way ever, fuck around and find out. You can test that assumption at your earliest convenience. Like, <laughs> so I, I, I kind of want to see the Klingon because also at one point Riker serves in like a, an exchange thing. He serves on board a Klingon that. ship. Yeah. yeah. And he's able to like hold his own and the Klingons respect him. I'm going to go with Klingons because they got that passion, man. And I think I could, I, I could, make my way with that um with the vulcans i would just get mad and they would logic me to death and i would just get so angry <laughs> it reminds me of uhura in this first season you know looking at spock in that episode where, the, where she gets to sing and she's like is this your idea of a pep talk it's like yes <laughs> how was it yeah <laughs> i remember that yeah that was a good episode i love that yeah, yeah. okay uh mariah you're gonna start us off with this next one okay, okay. I'll try to make a decision this time. Okay. You only get one today, right now, in real life, in your home. What are you choosing? A transporter or a food replicator? Food replicator. And why? Because transporters, according to the internet right now, just make a clone of you and kill you. But the question <laughs> is, do you remember that line from Discovery where Admiral Vance is explaining how the you know replicators what? I'm okay. work? I'm okay because... 
I'm okay with eating my own shit. If it tastes good and it looks pretty, I'm okay with that. I, I can enjoy my own shit better than scrambling my atoms and making a clone of me that might look like a huddled mess of human organs. I mean, I feel strongly about this. Technically, it's not poop anymore because the matter has been rearranged. Right, right. Like, so I'm okay with that. Like when she's eating the apple and then stops yeah. eating because he says it's shit. I'm like, fucking eat the apple. It's I also okay. Think, okay. Yeah, it I was mean, shit, and now it's an apple. And then it's gonna be shit again. It's okay. Exactly. It's a circle of life. There you go. There That's you how go. I feel. Captain Robinson, transporter or food replicator? Food replicator. Food is love. This is true. Even if, <laughs> even if it's even if it's shit. <laughs> I don't drive. I'm not trusting a transporter. <laughs> <laughs> or the person okay. behind the controls, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I also food is love, but I want the transporter. And the reason why is because I've watched enough Star Trek to know that some wild shit happens with transporters. So there could be an evil Lunsford that gets created. There could be two Lunsfords, one that gets bounced off. So there's another Lunsford living a separate life. Like, I like this idea, like just for this sheer <laughs> drama alone. So see, see, Mike, that might be fun for you. But what about the people who have to live with evil Mike Lunsford? I mean, you're not thinking about the good of society here. I mean, I didn't say that I wasn't going to kill him because that's the only way to solve this problem. See, that's or... so much drama. Like, if I if my if my replicator goes down and it's making too much bacon, I'll handle that drama over like, uh oh, evil me showed up at my church and like now we got a deal. Like... But then you get that sweet you get that sweet fight music when Kirk and Spock had to fight in the mock time. I mean, come on, <clears throat> I don't have time to score that. <laughs> All right, fair enough, Mike. We won't we won't uh, rain okay. on your transporter parade anymore. That's fine. I said what I said. Maybe I'm the <laughs> evil Lunsford. That's why I have a beard. Um, okay, so next one. BJ, you're going to kick us off. Because dilithium crystals are fickle and so are warp cores, um, while traveling close to the sun, you accidentally shoot yourself one direction in time and you are stuck there forever. Which one are you going to be stuck in? The past or the future? The future. Really? The future? Okay, why the future? I'm, I'm going to go with the unknown. Um, I'd rather, I think, be just fully ignorant to my surroundings as opposed to go back, think I know better, and, you know, fuck it all up even worse somehow. Yeah, I think I'd take. I'd rather put my my life at risk in completely unknown dangers of the future um, than potentially having to regress to dangers of the past good answer i think of like like i think of like racism because even in the federation there's racism um i feel like there'll at least be less racism or it might be like everyone equally hates each other in the future as opposed to like particularly hating some in the past so yeah future wow this question really boils down to your general outlook in life and whether you're hopeful or pessimistic right so at this very moment in time, and if you ask me after I've had a shot of tequila, I might say something different. Fair. But at this moment in time, I'm pretty pessimistic. Like, I think we're going to nuke ourselves into oblivion. So I'm going to say the past and maybe give us a greater chance at fixing our shit. Now, like I said, you give me some Mi Familia Flores tequila, I will probably say let's let's hitch a buggy and ride off into the future and, and see what's there, but not right now. I'm a fixer. 
I would want to go back if I'm if I'm stuck. I would rather be in the past and try to make an impact there, knowing what I know and seeing what I've seen and being able to not not do it in a Machiavellian type way where I'm trying to manipulate the future for my own personal gain, but to better society. Like if I know these things are coming, if, you know, to use a, a, a timely parlance, like if I could go back before 9-11, what would I do? Could I even do anything? Or are we running into the whole city on the edge of forever thing where if you save Edith Keeler, then the Nazis take over and they win the war and that ruins everything. And then the Federation never exists. Like, it's, it's that butterfly effect. One small change could change everything. And like, I love the idea of being able to help the past, but I also know that I can't fuck with it. I like the idea of the future um, because I feel, I feel like I could learn. I feel like I could adapt. I feel like I could grow. I, I could be happy in either. And this is the problem. I, people have told me this before, that this is the problem with being analytical about things is that I can never make a clear cut decision because I weigh all options. Um, but you know, that's, you know, you don't get to be an admiral without thinking of stuff like this. Right. I, I see both sides. I would probably, the selfish choice would be the past. The optimistic, as we were talking about would be the future, but yeah, I would, I would go with the past. Cause I think I could fix things. Hopefully. Yeah. I'm like an... worst case scenario. If I end up in the future and it's all nuked and gone, well then I'll just be dead in an instant and gone with it. And that's fine. Yeah. I mean, but if I'm, in the, if I'm in the past and I try to, <laughs> I try to change stuff and, and the Stephen King concept of time is obstinate and doesn't want to let people change it, then I just like, I don't know, I go find somewhere that I know is going to be safe. And I'm like, I'll just go live here. It's cool. Just hang out in Montana for a while until the Vulcans show up in 20, uh, 2063. It'll be cool. <laughs> what a great question, Mike. Thanks. Yeah, these are good. I tried. I, I, put, um, I put some thought into these for sure. You succeed. Okay. Mariah. What's up? You get to be one of these people or just you, but in, in that uh, scenario, you either have the abilities of counselor Troy or you are a Soong style Android like data. Which are you choosing? Oh, fuck. Mm. Oh, that's one extreme to the other, man. Well, I would rather be hot than pasty. So, <laughs> hey, hey, as a reminder, Commander Data is fully functional in multiple techniques, okay? Mm, oh, you make a good point. <laughs> mm. The Borg Queen and Tachiyar were both all about that, so. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, Troy. I, I don't know if I can give a good reason that isn't, like, totally... Uh, surface level like she has magnificent hair she's got good boobs loves chocolate yeah like i just i really relate to her um Great voice yeah yeah so like like having that much emotion i don't think i could handle however however i also like fear not having emotion for some reason the idea of being the android terrifies me so maybe that's a little bit of self-exploration i need to do um <laughs> maybe a little therapy i don't know but deanna troy all the way mr robinson data really um personally i um <laughs> i'm an emotional person um and and i'm an aries i i've said for like the last decade of my life i'm a reformed aries because i've like tried to work at like getting my shit together uh with, with my feelings and my my pride um and my just mindfulness for others so i guess i feel like like i feel like if i were if i were you know, counselor troy i 
I'd end up being more of an emotional wreck than people would need me to be um, to just, you know, try and help deal with people's things. Um, I think I would I would be more fitting as a data. Um, and I mean, it's kind of like the other side of everything you're saying, Mariah. Maybe that's my uh, therapy to reflect on that. I got to work on that for myself. But no, I think I think I'd want to be data. Droid me up. This is so fascinating. You might have to like post all of these for like people to respond to as well, just because these are yeah. great. These I'll really post great. the ones that we've done because I'm going to save some of these other ones for later. Because I feel like this I've, could have been like a yeah. quiz, you know, like 10 years ago on the internet of just like, find yeah. out your Star Trek profile and like <laughs> you choose all these things to get a calculation <laughs> at the end. Yeah. I also am going to go with data. I think of all the decisions that I've made in my life that were stupid because of emotion. And like if I could take that out of it and just have a purely logical, purely analytical concept. But one of the things that I loved about data the most is data does eventually get emotion. He does get the emotion chip in the movies. So he does gain emotion, but his endless thirst for knowledge and input, and he just, ultimately, he just wants to learn how to be a better human. And in doing so, he's oftentimes the best human. I love that idea. I mean, but like, not only that, I mean, like anytime they need somebody strong to do something, he's doing it. Sometimes he's got the best lines. I think, yeah, I, I would, I would want, I would want to be data as well, knowing that I could eventually get emotions yeah, but also just be a badass. And then also beautiful singing voice. I mean, and and mm -hmm. and Star Trek uh was it Nemesis? Yeah, it, not Nemesis. Um Insurrection when he goes nuts and they have to capture him. Um yeah, and he's singing the HMS Pinafore. Yeah, no. Beautiful singing voice. Yeah. Oh, love me some Gilbert Sullivan. <laughs> Man, y'all, I just don't want to work that hard. Data works so hard. He does not require sleep. Like yeah, I, I, works hard too. Yeah, but you know she goes to bed. She's she has nightmares. She's, you've seen it. <laughs> but then she gets impregnated by space things and like has people like taunting her through her mind and like there's just yeah the people just like, fucking with her and like a lot of strife. Yeah, yeah, and her her mm. horny ass mom just always like <laughs> mm. calling her little one. Like yeah, like, that's a lot of stress. <laughs> All right, boobs and beautiful hair or stress. <laughs> I mean, don't those things go together anyways? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, oh, yeah, I'm not satisfied with my answer, but I still can't respond data. Makes sense. Yes, I we're mean, gonna have to post these. This there is are no there are no wrong answers. Yeah, there are no wrong answers. <laughs> is that Do weird that I feel like there are? Like for me, I have to choose the right answer when there it's arbitrary. Like it doesn't matter yes. what the right answer is, but I feel like I have to choose the okay, more therapy. All right, yeah. just there making a note, making a I list. I also love that uh, Deanna and uh, Riker showed up in, in their little cameo also in Lower Deck season one, as well as Q. The Q moment was perfect. Uh, he's like, <laughs> oh, man. Time your shit, we're done. <laughs> man. <laughs> I love I love that Riker's like, like let's go to warp is Anna five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, oh. Jaws music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was good. Yes. We have such a wealth of Star Trek goodness. It makes me so happy. Any last parting comments before I outro us into the great beyond? That sounded really morbid. I apologize. <laughs> the great beyond. The galactic barrier. The galactic barrier. Yeah. Hopefully one of us does not come back with godlike powers after we cross over the barrier. Uh, we're gonna go, we're gonna go hit the trail towards the 10 C, y'all. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Any um, parting thoughts? I didn't, we didn't have time for it this episode and that's okay. We'll save it for the next one. Cause I'll actually be able to finish my whole rewatch of the original series. But if you have never watched the original series, watch it. That's my recommendation. Watch it. But with the lens of this was made in the 1960s, they didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. I will give you a teaser for some of my notes from this. Okay. Um, this is one of my favorite notes that I had. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Cause I remember getting so mad at this episode, the episode, what are little girls made of starts, starts a trend where Kirk loves sexing things up and overloading them in case, in this case, he gets all handy with a fembot and it breaks your robot brain. Like <laughs> this happens so much in the original series. Whereas Kirk is just like, I'm gonna kiss you. And blow your mind girl. <laughs> That's not as smooth as Spock. And, and no, he's not. But oh, like not again, either. he's got that he's got that machismo, and he's just like he's like, hey, listen, girl, I know you're a robot, but check this out. Come here, come here, come here. He leans in close, and they're just like error, error, input cannot compute. Yeah, it's like it's like he's. It's, oh man, he's the sci-fi Austin Powers before Austin Powers is. with Austin is. Powers. Oh, BJ, I can't unsee that now. Oh no, man, just the it's... hairy chest. <laughs> The friggin' the little machine gun jumblies yeah. pop out. He's like, "Is it cold in here?" <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, oh, that's that's my teaser because I have so many notes that are like that, and like you don't realize it until you start watching it. How many um, tropes from science fiction and fantasy and television, just in general, started with Star Trek? And like, there's a couple episodes that are kind of like clunky where you're just kind of like, what are they trying to say here? And then like, you get the, you like kind of pull yourself back and you get the message. You're just like, oh shit, this is really progressive. Yeah. So watch it, but just under the guise of this was the sixties and they were still trying to figure stuff out, but they were making sure that there were people of color on the bridge. Like even the away teams, there's, there's, there's a random Asian woman. There's random extra black woman other than Uhura. Like you're seeing diversity in the sixties. Just remember that when you think about this show and the times when you're just like, Oh, that's kind of cringy. Why is Kirk like putting his hands all over this woman, man? Like maybe he shouldn't be doing that again. We're making progress here. It's, 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 it's getting there. Baby steps. Yes. Exactly. BJ. Progress is not 21st century progress and that's okay. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm definitely going to 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 try and get through all of TOS before before our next uh, time together. The thing I've been going through and when I'll get into next time is the music of the Trek verse. The the many many different scores, the many ups, many many ups. The many ups. Um and I think the one most unforgivable down um of a theme song that I dare not even mention at this time, but we'll we'll oh. cross that uh oh, man. <clears throat> starbridge when we come to it yeah gonna be all about music uh scorings and themes through through the many different iterations of the trek series and films we're just gonna have to do an extra episode <laughs> for all the things i'm, I'm excited <laughs> i'm excited about this all right in real life my dear listeners Mike Lunsford is editor-in-chief podcaster graphic artist and writer at great geek refuge and he's also hard at work raising the next generation of nerds and faithfully posts his meals on Insta and they always make me hungry. So thanks a lot for that. What I'm here for. (laughs) William BJ Robinson is a queer black and Puerto Rican arts educator based in San Diego. 
as well as an actor, composer, and church choir director, and an amazing one-man show artist. BJ is also a creator and host of Tough Talk, a platform that focuses on getting comfy with the uncomfy through community conversations. He is also, and I love all of the stuff you post about this, host of KPBS Arts, a local PBS TV show about arts and culture across the U.S. Also the composer of our theme song. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For more info, just search at Will BJ Rob and or at tough.talk2020 on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, and YouTube. Hi, yeah. dear listener, and Mariah Beachboard. I'm executive editor and podcaster for GGR. I'm also a playwright and recently wrote a play with my partner, Dave, for Evil Cheese Productions in Huntsville, Alabama, about the fantastic Southern custom of pickers. You can message me for more questions about that. You can find my plays at dramanotebook.com and also by emailing me at mariahtbeachboard at gmail.com. And to you, dear listeners, stay tuned for our next episodes. Also, we have an email address and an Insta, Insta just for this podcast. Check out Federation Conversations on Insta and at gmail.com. Drop by greatgeekrefuge.com to discover all the amazing happenings. And last of all, my dear listener, I pray you feel truly seen by those you love. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been a Pirate Radio Network production, Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy.